Heavenly Father, we will worship you, Lord. We will worship you no matter what's going on around us, no matter what's happening in the world, Lord. We will come together and we will fellowship. We will worship you. We will glorify your name. We will lift your name on high. We will praise you, Lord. No matter what is going on, Lord, we are here. We are still here as a fellowship, Lord. Satan will have no power. He will have no power here in this city, Lord. He will have no power in this country. Your name will still be lifted up. We will continue to worship you, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to go out now throughout this insane township, throughout this city, Yagon, and throughout this country, Lord. As we get ready to worship you in the study of your word, Lord, Lord, I pray this goes out throughout the entire country. And people will hear it, Lord. And they will hear not me, not my words, but they will hear your words, Lord. And you will minister to them, Lord. You will free them from the fear they may have. You will free them from the animosity they may be facing. You will free them from the doubt of what's going on in their lives, Lord, because they will know the mighty God that we serve. So, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would use this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If everyone's got your Bibles, we're going to get going. We're going to be in John chapter 14 today. As you guys get your Bibles out and turn there, I'm going to turn there myself here. I just wonder, you know, as these interesting times that we are facing, um, very just different times. And I know a lot of you, including myself, sometimes we feel a little bit troubled. Has anyone ever felt troubled? Anyone here ever felt worried looking at the situation around you? Have you ever wondered, as you look around you in the world as it is today, what in the world is going on? Why is this all taking place? Have you ever questioned that? You ever asked, God, why? Why is this taking place? I think most of us at some point in our lives have asked questions like this. We've felt troubled. We've felt worried. We've felt stressed. We've felt the pressure of not knowing what was going to take place next or where we were going to go. I know some even here right now are even, they can't go home to their own home countries. And they're wondering, what's going to happen? I know some that are living on streets where this virus has taken hold with a few people, and they're wondering, am I going to catch the virus? What's going on? Am I going to be able to go to work? Am I going to be able to provide for my family? You know, there's a lot of different situations going on around us right now. And, you know, this virus has literally came to our front door here, right outside a refuge. And so, as this takes place, there's a lot of different emotions, a lot of different reactions that each one of us will face and go through. It can be, really, it can be very overwhelming, even at times. It can be very, very difficult. But, you know, I think that's kind of normal for us to face emotions, to face fear, to feel even a little bit troubled at times, and even at times questioning sometimes our own faith. It's not a good thing, but it is normal. It does happen to each one of us at different times. You know, and as we get into the text today, we can see the disciples, yes, the disciples, face some of these same challenges. And as we get into the text, we'll see that Jesus saw this, and then he's going to instruct them that they did not have to live in fear. So as we begin our study today in John chapter 14, I think we just got to take a minute to go back and just have a little bit of context. You remember what's been going on? You remember that Jesus, if you look back in John chapter 12, you don't have to turn there, but he had told them that he was going to be crucified. I'm sure they looked at him and like, what are you talking about? And then later on, he tells them 
the disciples, he's going to be leaving them soon. I'm wondering again, they're like, they're a little bit worried, they're a little bit concerned, maybe a little fear. What's going to take place? What's going on? They didn't understand. Now this same night that we're going to study in the chapter today, Jesus is also told them now that one of them is going to betray them. Could you imagine me telling you, one of you is going to betray them. And then he continues in the discussion with the disciples. He says, all of you are going to turn from me here in the next days. Could you imagine? This would cause some worry, some stress, some wondering, questioning. What are you talking about, Jesus? Why is this going on? It would seem the disciples had a maybe a legitimate reason to have some concern with what Jesus has been telling them. Right? Now, I think the same is true for most of us today. Maybe there are some legitimate reasons. We could have some concern in the times that we're facing today. They are unprecedented. Nobody that I know has ever walked through times like this. But as we face these times, we can rely on God's word and we can rely on Jesus to show us how we can get through these times without fear. Jesus is going to speak to the disciples in this John chapter 14 But he's not just talking to the disciples. He's talking to every one of us. And he's going to address these concerns that each one of us face with fears. He's going to tell us a solution to this. We don't have to have fear. Jesus has the answer. So we're going to get into that. It's very encouraging. Is that encouraging? We don't have to have fear. We don't have to have worry. We don't have to have doubt. So let's see how. Let's get everyone got your Bibles. Give me a thumbs up. Everyone, give me a thumbs up. If you got your Bibles open, John chapter 14, we're going to read verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Now, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, right? He knows, he knows exactly what the disciples are about to face. Now, just as Jesus is speaking to the disciples in this verse, he's speaking speaking to each and every one of us, knowing what each and every one of us is facing today and what we're going to face in the following weeks. Think about that. That's how God God's Word works. He knows. Jesus is concerned for the disciples. He is concerned for us. And he has put this in his Word to encourage us, so that each of us can have our faith strengthened. Now, has any one of you had a troubled heart? It says here, don't let your hearts be troubled. Have you experienced having a troubled heart before? What does it mean? What does it mean to have troubles? What kind of troubles in this passage is Jesus speaking of? Now, we know the troubles they were facing. They didn't understand what was going on around them. They didn't understand what Jesus was talking about, how he was going to leave them, how somebody was going to betray them, how they were going to turn away from Jesus. They were very confused. You know, troubled, it means times of uncertainty. We're facing some times of uncertainty right now, I believe. It could be a time of restlessness. There's a lot of restlessness right now around here. I've noticed around the whole world. It's an inward commotion with inside of you, a stirring Maybe some of you have faced that. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of that going on. If you look it up in the Greek to see what the word means, it's very interesting. It means to strike doubt, fear, or dread upon your heart. 
Let me say that again. This troubles that he's speaking of, Jesus is speaking of in this verse, is to strike doubt, fear, or dread upon your heart. That's a lot deeper meaning than just your heart being troubled, isn't it? You know, I see a lot of this. I think this is a this is a a, a proper definition of what's going on with a lot of people I know right now with their situation. So as we get into this passage, what kind of troubles are you facing today? What's on your heart? What is your most inner thoughts? Your most inner thoughts inside of your mind? What's going on inside of your soul? What The most inner part of your being? What are you feeling? Do you have troubles? Do you have worry? Do you have doubt? These kind of troubles that Jesus is speaking of here, these troubles, it says hearts will be troubled. I believe this is the kind of troubles that will consume you. Do you know what it is to be consumed by your problems, by your troubles? You can't focus on anything else. That's all you can think about. You don't start, you start losing your relationships with people. You start not reading God's word. You start not being able to pray because you're thinking about all the problems and troubles. I think that's what it's talking about here. So what is the solution to these kind of troubles? These hearts being troubles. There's a solution. Because, you know, we're going to face these kind of things in life. We're going to have to walk through these. But as we face these things, the question is, how are we going to react or what are we going to do about these troubles? Jesus has the answer here, doesn't he? He gives us the answer. He gives us the answer for all of our troubles that we will ever face as we walk through this world. Even those that would be so big, they would trouble our most inner being, our hearts. The answer is clear here in this verse. Trust in God. Sounds simple though, right? You know, the title of this message was very simple title. It was either choose fear or choose God. So what does it mean to trust? Then I guess if we have to define what it means to trust, we also really have to make sure is where this trust is going is who is God. Because I think sometimes people mistake who is God. Now trust, thank you for the water. To trust is to have faith, to rely upon, to commit oneself to, to be confident in, Do you have that kind of trust? Do you have faith? Is this where you put your, is this what you commit to? Do you commit yourself to God? Are you confident in the God that we serve? As we look around the world and look at your problems, are you confident that God is bigger than all these things going on around us? Do you put your faith in other things? Or does your faith in Jesus? We can also define who God is. It's just to be clear, the God we serve. The God we serve is the creator of everything known. This is the God we put our faith in. The God we put our faith in, the God I put my faith in, is the giver of life itself. Just think about this. This is who we're trusting. The God I serve is the one that is all-knowing. The God I serve and the God that loves me is the one that is outside of time. He's the one that created time. Just think about that. This is the one we trust. The God that I trust and I put my faith in is the one that is all-present and all-knowing. This is important. Now, the last part of that verse, trust also in me. I think that's kind of the key, isn't it? The key to finding comfort in times of trouble. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who is God. And it's through Jesus that we have direct access to God. He is our intercessor. Jesus is God And it is Him who gave us our new lives. 
This is who we put trust in. It's so important to define trust, but also who we are putting trust in. Now, I want to tell you about a trip we went on last week before we get going. So last week, everyone was so, so, so excited to go spend a week at the beach, right? Everyone loves to go to the beach. And we had planned to go and baptize the three girls, and several of our friends were going to come, and they were going to join us and be a part of the celebration. Uh, it was just going to be a wonderful time. We were super excited. We'd been looking forward to it for quite some time. And we really wanted to make this time really special. So Vicky and I talked about it, and we even decided to maybe spend a little extra money on the hotel to make sure everyone would really enjoy themselves, to make the, just the trip really special, really relaxing. So we went ahead and reserved what we thought was a very nice hotel, now, also, we had so many of us, before we went to the beach, I also had to rent a car. So I went down, and I was going to go down the day before and finalize my reservations on renting a car so we could drive two cars to the beach because we had so many people. And the day before, I went to the rental car company, and I, I saw the car that I'd reserved, and I noticed it was way too small. There's no way we're going to be fit our beach toys and our luggage in this car. But it was the day before, so I went and talked to them, and I had to get the key card so I could get into the car. And I, I talked to the employees, and I said, hey, can you help me? You know, I need to get my key card. They said, you come up, and that's how you do that. And then I said, I want to change cars. I want to upgrade the car because the car was too small. And I talked to these two guys, and they tried for like 45 minutes, an hour, and they just they couldn't get anything to work right. Um, they didn't know what was going on. And so they said, hey, just come back tomorrow at 6 a.m. when you're supposed to pick up the car, and we'll have everything taken care of for you, no problem little bit nervous about that, but I trusted them. So the next day, I came back 6 o'clock in the morning to get the key card to pick up this car, and uh, let's just say it didn't go as I hoped. I'll save you two hours of discussion, but the way it ended up is, just to put it simply, is I got a really nice car, much nicer than I ever wanted, and about three times the cost. But I had a car. I was two hours late. So we were going to head out to the beach. I wasn't going to let this ruin our trip. It's like, whatever, it cost me three times the amount. Let's just go and have a great time. So two hours late, I head back to the house to load up this really nice car. We called it Turbo. It's a fun car. So as I got back to the house, I backed the car in, ready to load all the luggage. And right when I arrive, I get some news. Alan Pat's flight had been canceled. And I'm like, oh, no. So there's... Another hour kind of discussion there of what to do. And a lot of tears, a lot of crying, a lot of goodbyes later. Um, Alan Pat decided they had to stay back in Yangon and try to find another flight to get home. And so they did end up flying back that night. Uh, so we, unfortunately, Alan Pat were not able to come to the beach with us. So we really didn't even need that car. But we were going to go anyways. So we planned to leave at 6 a.m. in the morning, right? But because of all the difficult things that happened, we didn't end up leaving until 9 o'clock. And I'll tell you what, if anyone's left around 9 o'clock in Yangon, wow, 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 did we hit some traffic. But we didn't just hit traffic. We hit some of the worst road construction I've ever seen in this country. It was horrendous. So all these things have happened, right? As we're trying to go to the beach, trying to head out for the baptism, you know, but... You know, I'm going to tell you the truth. We weren't that discouraged. None of us were that upset. We still made this trip fun because we knew where we were going. 
We were going to the beach, and we were going to a baptism. We were going to a nice hotel. We were going to go eat a bunch of seafood. We knew what was ahead of us. So our our hope in what to, was to come made this so far, this really difficult trip worth it all. It's like no big deal because we know we're going to arrive at the beach and have a great time. So all of us were so, so excited, right? Now remember... I told you earlier that Vicky and I decided to get a nicer hotel, right? So we really sprung. We paid double what we would normally pay for, well, more than double what we would normally pay because we really wanted to be this special. This was a baptism. This is really, really important. So we got to this hotel. Let's just put it this way without getting into details. There are pictures online, and the reality of the hotel were not quite the same at all. The roof, the ceiling was falling apart, like pieces of the ceiling were falling on our bed. Um, I went to open the fridge to put some Cokes in there. The door just fell off because the whole fridge was rusted out in the bottom. Um, a lot of things. It wasn't a nice hotel. And they charged a premium. But even this, even this wasn't going to ruin our trip. It wasn't going to bring disappointment. Um, now, we were still there at the beach. We were still with our family. We were still going to do a baptism. We were still going to have a great time because we knew what was going to take place, how it was going to work out. Now, I will tell you, Vicky and I did decide to go find a different hotel because as much as we were paying for that hotel, we thought we could probably do a little bit better. So we started driving down the beach, and we were going to go find a different hotel. As we drove, we went to hotel to hotel to hotel. Each one we went to said, no rooms. It's very strange that there's nobody around. Nobody. Oh, we don't have no, no rooms, no rooms. So we kept driving down the beach, and finally uh, we came to this just amazing hotel. Five-star hotel, had an infinity pool. It was, I mean, just amazing. And we get there, and we start talking to them to find out it was the exact same price, basically, for the other hotel. So we were able to check out of that other hotel and check into this new hotel. You know, it's amazing as I see that. I think God had a, got, he had a hand in that for sure. Um, he had prepared a place that was, he had prepared a place for us, this hotel that was ten times better than anywhere we thought we could actually stay. That's amazing, isn't it? Ten times better. God had made much better reservations than we could ever even imagine making. Think about that, huh? Maybe you know where I'm going with this sermon. We checked in to this hotel. It was amazing. I mean, just amazing. Everybody was so happy. It was such a blessing. And we were just getting settled in. Kids are going out to play on the beach, and I get a knock on the door. Knock, knock, knock. The hotel manager comes and says, Sir, I need to speak with you. He says, The government has shut down all the beaches and all the hotels. You can stay one night, but then you have to leave tomorrow. I'm like, wow. You know what, though? Now... None of my friends could come. None of our family and friends that were going to come to join in could come because they were all coming that day after. But even this, even this didn't disappoint us because we knew we were still at the beach. We were still going to do a baptism. We were st- we just, we knew how this was going to work out. And so we had a wonderful time. We faced all sorts of hardships, all sorts of disappointments along the way. And, you know, our, our trip got cut way short. Instead, I think five days ended up two days. But I know during all them different things that happened, what kept us all from getting disappointed or too upset was the promise of the blessings of being at the beach and with our family. I will fully disclaim and I will fully admit along the way from the car rental 
to Alan Pat not coming to the traffic to the Zero Star Hotel, uh, there were moments of frustration. I won't say it was all just great. And there may have even been some words while I was driving about some other drivers. But Jesus just blessed our time, and we did just fine, and we had a great time. And I think, again, it's what's so amazing is just we knew that we were going to have a great time at the beach later. So it was okay. Like, we'll deal with all of this because we know what's at the end of this. And it worked out. Now, as I share this story, I saw a parallel. I saw a parallel to our, our lives, our very lives today, including what we're walking through here. Imagine, think of this. I shared about that hotel, how it was 10 times nicer than anything I could have even made reservations for. Imagine how much better heaven will be than anything we could ever even imagine. There's no way, we can't describe it. We can't even, there's no words. We could, it's more than we could, just think about this. This is God's house. It will be a place of absolute love and joy. We're not going to turn there, but if you look at Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, John tries to describe heaven. He ran out of symbols. He ran out of ways or comparison trying to explain what he saw. So instead of, he couldn't explain it. So instead of trying to explain how glorious it was, he went and tried to list all the things that were not in heaven. There's no death. There's no sickness. There's no sorrow. There's no crying. There's no pain. There's no night. What an amazing home it will be for us that we will enjoy forever. Amen. You know, just as my family faced all the problems as we were heading to the beach, we are going to face all sorts of problems as we travel this road called life. We're going to face all sorts of things. Very difficult things. We're going to face all sorts of problems, sicknesses, hardships. All we're going to face, all these things before we receive our heavenly inheritance, our place in heaven with Jesus. Just like that trip. We all know if we are born again where we're going. We're going to go be with Jesus in heaven. And we also must remember, until that point, everything now is temporary. This isn't permanent. Everything now is temporary. Look at verses 2 through 4. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. You know, lots of people, as we've seen John tried, but people try to have ideas or what heaven will be like. You know, a lot of the Bible translation says words mansion. It's not really a good translation. It's not a real mansion. Um, You're trying to explain the unexplainable. So how does how do you do that? And if you really look up the word, this my translation says father's house. Some say father's mansions. Really, what it is though, it's it's to it's a place to abide with God. It's a place to be with God. It's I don't think it's a physical. Maybe I mean there's physical aspects of it, but it's just a place that's undescribable with the peace, with the love, with the joy. And I think that's what we'll know more than physical is we'll see that. And also, if you look at this verse, I just want to also know that it says that when Jesus says in this, he is, how does he say it here? He says, I am, in verse 2, he says, I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. Don't misinterpret that verse. I think a lot of people think maybe Jesus is going and building heaven still. 
that's not what's taking place at all. He's not building heaven. Um, the heaven is already done. It's, it's ready for us. But what Jesus is talking about when he says preparing, he is saying what is going to take place on the cross. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says he's preparing. Because that's what needed to take place. Let's look at verse 5. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? The problem is that they didn't understand. They didn't understand where they were going. They didn't understand where Jesus was going. They didn't understand how they were going to get there. They were just full of questions. They didn't, there was concern. There was uncertainty, right? This troubled them because they didn't know. What was going to take place next? They didn't understand. I'll tell you right now, in our world today, every hour by hour, we're facing the same kind of troubles, aren't we? We don't know what's going to happen hour to hour at times. We don't know which way to go, to come, to stay. Many of us are facing these questions even today. Now, look. remember the story I just told you about my whole trip to the beach and how I told you how it's a a reflection of our own lives, all of our lives today, right? Overall, as we walk that path and walk the road as Christians. How difficult is it to face the trials of this world not knowing how your the race will end or your life will end? Think about that. How difficult is it to face trials in the world if you don't know how it's going to end? Think about that question. This is an important question. We talk about trust in Jesus. How much trials or how many, how much can you endure? How many troubles can you endure if you know how this race is going to end? That you know at the end, no matter what takes place here, no matter what you face, no matter what troubles you have, that you're going to end up in heaven in Jesus' arms. That you understand that this is only temporary. How much will one endure in life knowing that they don't know where they're going after this? Life is over here on earth. How does one face problems and troubles not knowing if they're going to finish the race? Not knowing if they're going to win the race of life? Think about that. As we have this hope, we know how this is going to end. We know how this is going to work out. The question is, how do we share this faith that we have and this hope with the world around us? Because they're full of fear right now, all around us. We have hope, but how do we share that hope with them that they can finish this race of life with Jesus. And they get, how can we share that they can go to heaven? They don't have to worry about the trials and tribulations of this world. Let's look at verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. What a beautiful verse. I don't know if it's the most popular verse in the Bible, but probably so. I love it. Uh, it just... Jesus responds in a way that no one else can ever say. Jesus doesn't say, I can lead you on a path, does he? Jesus doesn't say, I can show you the way, does he? He doesn't say, I can teach you the way, does he? Jesus says, I am the way. Period. If you guys got your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to 1 John 1 John 5.20 And we know that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding so we can know the true God. And now 
We live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. Flip back a little bit. Turn to Hebrews 10, chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 21. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. I'll stop there. The message is, this message from Jesus is 100% clear. The only way to have eternal life is Jesus. That's it. He is the way. There are no other ways. I know some people don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. And maybe we should start praising that He has given us a way. You know, some people say, well, that's kind of narrow, you know, that that's the only way. How can that be? I just praise the Lord that he's provided a way for us. Let's look at verse 7. Back in John chapter 14. If you had really known me, you'd have known who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Think about this statement. Look at that. If you had known me. What does it mean to know someone? How do you really know someone? Looking at the Bible, what is it? how does it explain to us how we would know Jesus? I'm going to give you some examples. If, if we know Jesus, if we truly know him, not just head knowledge, but we really know him intimately, if we truly have a relationship with him, if we are submitted to him, if he is our Lord and Savior, then we have accepted his sacrifice, that he has paid our sacrifice. You understand? We have accepted his sacrifice on our, on our behalf, if we know Jesus. If we really know Jesus, we have asked him to be Lord of our lives. That's how you know Jesus. If we know Jesus, we identify with him in his death, and we consider our, our old selves dead. That we are a new creation if we know Jesus. If we know Jesus, we have accepted his forgiveness and cleansing on our lives. If we know Jesus, we will seek through the Holy Spirit to have an intimate relationship with him daily. If we truly know Jesus, we will repent of our sins and surrender our lives to him daily as a living sacrifice. If we truly know Jesus, the Holy Spirit has come and living inside of us, and it will change our lives forever if we know Jesus. If we know Jesus in these ways, we then know God. We know the Father. That's what Jesus is saying. Look at verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. So often, I can be like this. Asking questions like this. Lord, just show me. Show me a big sign, right? Maybe some of you have done that. What do I do here? 
Show me a sign. Um, you know, I'm going to tell you something. He's already done enough. He gave us every sign we need with Jesus Christ. The sign was, he came here as a man, and he allowed himself to be placed on that cross and paid our sins, price for our sins, and then was resurrected three days later. That's a sign. We've received every sign we need. What's required of us is faith. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe of the work you have seen me do. I love this response from Jesus. I have been with you the entire time. That's what he says. In always taking care of you, I've always worked miracles, yet through all these times that I've always been with you, always taking care of you, don't you believe today in your current situation that God is with you? Think about that today. As you're, what troubles are you facing, each of you today? Maybe it's different hardships for each one of us. God has always, always been there. Hasn't He always taken care of you? Has He ever let you down? He's never let me down. Now, there's been times when I didn't understand, but I can look back in all situations to say and say, God has always been there for me and taken care of me. I'll tell you, when I, when I come to places like this, this lack of faith, wondering where God is in a situation, or wondering if he's actually in a situation, you know what I need to do? I need to repent. I need to hit my knees and repent of my own lack of faith of who God is and what he's done for me. I need to repent and ask that the Holy Spirit will come upon me and restore my faith as it should be. I need to take a minute and ask the Holy Spirit to remember, to help me remember, to help me reflect and look back t- upon my life and see all the works that He's done in my life, in my family's life, and the people around me. And remember, He's always been faithful. Even when things seemed impossible or things were as drastic as they are today in the community that we are in today. You know, and I also sometimes, I just got to get into God's Word. I gotta look in there and I gotta read my Bible and see. Trust in me. Have faith in me. Take a minute here. We're gonna turn to look at a few verses as we're talking about this. Turn to Psalm 55. Psalm 55, verse 22. Take these verses, highlight these, mark these in your Bibles. I hope you all have your Bibles. Mark these in your Bibles. Reflect on these, meditate on these, and take these verses with you throughout the week as you face all the different things that you're facing today. Psalm 55, verse 22. Give your burdens to the Lord, and He will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. I want to turn to 1 Kings 8.57. 1 Kings 8.57. 
May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us or abandon us. Amen? One more verse. All the way back to the New Testament. To Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to look at uh, the last part of verse 5. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence... The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? I want to read that again. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Turn back to John 14. We're going to look at our last few verses for the day. Verses 12 through 14. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Very interesting verses. I had to take some time to kind of study on this. You could probably have a whole sermon on these three verses. But I want to be careful that we don't take these kind of verses out of context. I've heard even some people say, maybe they have a friend that is sick, or maybe even someone even closer to them, and they will say, well, I've prayed for them, but they're not healed. Then I've heard some people even come up to that person, maybe it's because you didn't pray hard enough. No, no, that's not how this works. Maybe some will say, maybe that person wasn't healed because you didn't have enough faith. No. That's not how this works. That's not, that's not how prayer works. It simply is not true. The key point to these passages is so the Son can bring glory to the Father. Do you see that in the passages? That's what this is all about. So the Son can bring glory to the Father. If it is the result of our prayers to bring glory to the Father, in Jesus' name these things will be done. Simple explanation on that passages, I believe. Now, as we look back in closing, I kind of see three main points in these passages. In the first six verses, we see the way. I am the way. It's Jesus, the only way. In the next group of verses, 7 through 11, we see that it's very clear, Jesus is God. And then these last 12 through 14, we learn how to pray. An example. There's some things, though, I want us to look at before we close. We must know that... I'm going to be very bold when I say this. Very bold. And listen to that closely. There is no sickness or virus that can truly kill us as Christians. Do you understand that? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have everlasting life. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, the moment you did that... The moment you were born again, the moment you became a new creation, you had everlasting life. Your location will change at some point. You will pass from this world to the next, to heaven. Your location, your zip code will change. But death has no power over us. None. No sickness, no virus, none. We may change locations, but it has no power over us. It's true. Our earthly body, 
Our physical body may die, but we don't die. We are born again. We have that... This, when our physical body dies, this is not truly a death for Christians. We have everlasting life through Jesus Christ. This is the faith and the hope that we have. It's a promise. And it's through Jesus Christ that we have this. He is the way. Jesus gave us this by allowing himself to be placed on the cross as God. He allowed himself to have our very sins past, present, and future being placed upon him. He allowed that so he could pay the price for each and every one of us to pay that price of our sins, which was death. And then, the resurrection. He defeated sin. He defeated death by his resurrection, by rising from the grave three days later. He defeated death forever. As each one of us have, each one of us have defeated death forever if we have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying? This is, this is where our hope lies. This is what it is to trust in Jesus, to trust in God. We have the same power in us as Christians that rose Christ from the grave. We don't have to fear. Why do we have to fear? There is no reason to fear because we have eternal life in heaven from the very moment we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I have a quote here. Unfortunately, I can't tell you where it came from, but it's called Trust in Me. I want to end with that. So listen, this is a quote. Trust in me. When we face troubling times, we often feel overwhelmed by fear, doubt, grief, even conflict. Our outer resources may evaporate, and our inner strength may prove inadequate. Though faced with possible or certain failure, we have assurances in Jesus' word to remain calm and hopeful. God is trustworthy, and he has sent Christ, who is also trustworthy to us. No one else deserves our trust. God has gracious welcome and plenty of space in his house. We need not fear exclusion or separation from him. Jesus spoke the truth. His description of the future was realistic. He has never been proven wrong. We can rely on both Jesus' teaching and his promises. Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. He returned to the disciples after after the resurrection in doing, in so doing, he guaranteed our entrance into God's presence and our place in God's house. Think about that. Jesus is always with us, and someday we will be face to face with him. Whatever the future holds, Jesus promised to be our companion. He's with us. We know who Jesus is and how much he loves each of us. That's where we put our trust. We must anchor our trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Because Jesus is the way. Amen? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these promises you've given us. How you've shown us that 
as your disciples were facing very uncertain times, as they had stress in their life, they had doubt, they had things they didn't understand. But Lord, you just say it so simply and so clearly. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. So Lord, let us walk in that. Not Don't let that just be something we say. Let that be an action in our life to trust in you. Let us have a clear understanding of who you are and where we're placing our trust. But Lord, I can't do this on my own. I know to have faith like this, to have trust like this, I need your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be poured out on everyone today, Lord. It would become upon them in such a way that they would trust you in ways they never even imagined possible, Lord. That their trust in you would guide them into peace and joy and security. They would know, no matter what goes on in the world around them, you are God, and you're bigger than all of this. And yes, Lord, even in our current situation, this can be used for your glory. Lord, we praise you, we glorify you even in this times, and we love you, and we just lay down our lives and say, here we are, Lord, please use us in this neighborhood, please use us in this city, Lord, to go out and just share that you are the way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you.